Thanks, Sandy. I love it. Sandy, your personality always shines, but mate, in that dress, you are shining. You look amazing. <laughs> yeah, you got your own high vis, that's right. You match. Hey, you dressed for the occasion. Amazing. Good job. I didn't even do that. Wow. Oh, it's so good to see each and every one of you. Welcome, welcome. Um, welcome to Lyft, if it's the first time that you've been here before. We're so glad you're here. Um, and you know, if you're a part of the furniture, if you're a part of the family, um, we love you as well, of course. Um, but yes, absolutely. Someone who is a part of the furniture that you may notice is not here this morning um, is my lovely husband, who's normally over there. Um, but Pastor Nate is actually speaking at um, Freedom City Church, which is in Fremantle this morning. And then he's speaking at Centerpoint Church in Bibber Lake this evening. So I thought, who better than his church home family to just lift him up in prayer? He's probably going to take the stage in about 15 minutes. But I thought, why don't we come and just inject some spiritual courage into him? So let's spend a moment just praying for Pastor Nate. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that Pastor Nate has to speak your word. And God, we lift him up to you right now. Father, we pray for boldness. We pray for confidence, God, to declare your word with passion, Father. God, we thank you that you change hearts. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are speaking through him, God, and that you are doing a work in people's hearts that only you can do, Father. God, we pray that you'd bless him as he speaks, but God, you'd bless every single person that he speaks to as well in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, yes, that's where Pastor Nate is this morning. Um, we, we are in a new series today. We're going to go for the next three weeks talking about drills. Um, and before I get into that a little bit, I just want to apologise. Um, I want to apologise because last week, as I was speaking about this um, series and introducing it, um, I was introdu introducing it for serious Christians. Now, I wanted to apologise because I understand that that kind of language can sometimes keep people at arm's distance. Some people might feel actually put on the outside because if you're new to Christ or maybe you're struggling at this point in your walk, you may have felt like, well, that's not me. And so if you felt a little bit pushed out, a little bit rejected, from the bottom of my heart, I am deeply sorry. You know, my heart as your pastor is always to encourage you in the things of God, to always encourage you to keep on going hard after Jesus because He is the way, the truth and the life. There's never, ever an intention in me to actually push you away from that. And so I hope you can forgive me for that. Is that all right? Cool. All right. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's always nice to hear. Thank you, Beck. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about drills over the next couple of weeks. And just like how athletes have drills and disciplines that they um, keep on doing throughout their career as an athlete to keep them sharp, to keep them focused on the goal. You know, for us as Christians, we have disciplines too. We have drills as well that keep us heading in the direction towards God and everything that He has for us. We have disciplines and drills that sharpen our faith, that help us to grow in faith as well. And I know that that's God's intention for each and every one of you here this morning and for myself as well. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about really practical really simple, easy things that we can do. 
And I'm believing that no matter what season you're at as a believer, whether, yep, you know, you're really new to Christianity, you're new to this relationship with Christ, or whether you're finding your identity in Jesus, which is such an exciting season of our walk with God, or whether maybe you're a bit disillusioned. Maybe you've come, you've been walking with Christ for a little while, and you're like, wow, Jesus is not a genie with a lamp. I thought I was signing up for that. And so maybe you might be a bit like, oh, this is different to what I expected. Or maybe you've hit a really tough time and and you're just kind of struggling to see how your faith um, interacts with your day-to-day life. Or maybe you're a seasoned veteran and you've been walking with the Lord for years and years. I'm believing that this series, there's something for each and every one of you. Whether if you are a bit more of a veteran, it's, it's picking up these tools that you once uh, were really deliberate with, dusting them off and putting them to use again. And I'm just believing that there's something for each and every person. So are you ready to go on this journey with us? Fantastic. Okay. So this morning, um, I've packed in two drills. Is that okay? Two disciplines coming at you today. So the first one is teachability. Turn to the person next to you. Say teachability. Teachability. All right. Now, for some of you who've been in church for quite some time, you may have heard of this word. (laughs) I love your thoroughness, Sam. Well done. Um, It's like telling everyone, teachability, teachability. Um, If you've been in church for any length of time, you may have heard this word teachability. And if you grew up in church especially, so I got saved as a teenager and I heard this word teachability. And along the lines, I kind of sussed out that sometimes teachability simply means listening to your leaders and doing as they say, or listening to your parents. You know, when your parents are like, you're not being teachable. It's because they want you to do what what they want you to do. Um, But what I've come to know is that teachability is so much more. Sometimes, yes, absolutely. It involves doing what your leader, the person discipling you, your parent. It's doing what, you know, they're asking you to do because it's for your benefit. But what I believe teachability to be is actually having an openness, having a heart that is willing to learn from the greatest teacher of all, Jesus Christ. And so, of course, we're going to be talking in our context of of faith, of Christianity, but teachability is something that we can apply to any area of our life, where if we walk into any room with a teachable heart, um, as a teachable person, we can actually uh, receive and we can hear, we can take on truth from people all around our life. And so it's not just to God, but this morning we're going to apply this to our relationship with God. So where better to start than, of course, in God's Word? Um, We're going to look at the Gospel of Mark. And um, if, you know, if you are actually new to Christianity, the Gospel of Mark is an awesome book to start in. Um, It's jam-packed, it's action-packed, and by verse 3, we already, by verse 3, by chapter 3, we already have Jesus well into his ministry. He's doing crazy things and gaining a lot of attention from people. So he's doing things like um, he's healing and restoring hands that were withered. He's casting out unclean spirits that have been keeping people oppressed and bound. He's preaching to the masses, and and what we've got to understand about Jesus is that he came and a lot of his ministry, especially in the Gospel of Mark, is centred around teaching. Kind of gives us a hint as to who we are then as followers of Christ. We are students in the classroom of Jesus, aren't we? He's this great teacher. But, you know, he is saying things. He's saying audacious things. And he's doing crazy, amazing things that only God can actually do. And so 
what we've got to do, pause for this moment, we've got to put ourselves in the shoes of the audience in, in Mark's Gospel. The people of that time, they don't know what we know. We know Jesus lived his life, did amazing things, went to the cross, died for our sin, and was revealed as God. We know that, this side of the cross, but they didn't know that. And so they're thinking that Jesus is this crazy, amazing teacher, but he's speaking with authority that they've never heard of before. And he is doing things that they've only actually seen the God of their ancestors do. And so they're curious about who this Jesus person is. Now, there's a group of people, and we have mentioned them before at Lyft, um, this group being the Pharisees and the scribes. We know that they are religious leaders back in the ancient world. And, um, and they've kind of got this nice, neat religious system set up around Israel's scriptures, but they're benefiting from it. They're kind of working the system a little bit. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus is kind of setting up a new way and saying, hey, it's actually me that you need to pay attention to, they're threatened. They don't like that. They're going to lose out because of that. And so they've got their eye, they've got their stink eye on Jesus. But then there's another group, and this group is the group that I want us to focus on for a little bit. There's another group, which is Jesus's family, his biological family. He's actually getting their attention. And you know, Jesus is walking around, he's doing these things, he's teaching, he's doing these mighty deeds, but it kind of, this is the last straw for the family. What Jesus goes and does is that he goes and selects students uh, for him to teach, to actually be with him, to learn from him, to walk with him, the disciples, right? So he goes out and picks 12. He's like, yep, you, 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 I forgot how to count. But he's like, I, I want you to come and follow me, come and follow me. But what rabbis, which were the teachers then, what they wouldn't do was exactly that. They would wait for students to come to them because you've got to be humble because, you know, that's just not PC. You don't do that. And so here's Jesus, confident as anything. He's going around selecting students for his ministry. And his mum is like, Jesus, that's the last straw. Who do you think you are? And so we're going to pick it up from this passage of Scripture here where Jesus has just come from preaching to the masses. He's healing people. He's doing all these amazing things that only God can do. And then he's here now sitting uh, in his classroom. He's sitting in a room with his disciples gathered around him. And he's teaching them. He's revealing more to them um, uh, than, than what he would speak to the crowd. And so there's this scene here. And so what we see is Mary and his brothers, they come and they knock on the door and they're asking somebody, go in, go get Jesus for us. We've got something to say to him. And man, you know, Mary, you know, mums, when you feel like you need to put your kids in their place. Yeah. So channel that inner Mary right now. So th this is what Mary would be. Um, this is kind of her attitude going in like, Jesus, who do you think you are? Mum is here. I'm going to put you in your place. You can just imagine like the sass of Mary. Like coming there all dressed up and like, yep, Jesus, listen to me. So she's there at the door with the brothers and sisters. And then Jesus, oh, I love Jesus. He's so, so cheeky and so profound all at the same time. You know what he does? He's like, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Man, if I was Mary, I'd be like, oh, you didn't. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and he said, Look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brothers and sisters and mother. Yeah. 
So what Jesus here was setting up, oh man, oh, he's doing something pretty brave, pretty bold. But he's saying that, hey, there's actually a difference now. Mum, I love you, <laughs> but there's something that you're missing here. I'm actually more than this teacher that you just think I am. You know, what's really interesting though, we've got we to think, right? We've got to think back to what we've also learned in the Bible and how when Jesus was in Mary's womb, who came and visited Mary? An angel, right? An angel from the Lord visited Mary and she had this amazing encounter with God's messenger telling, telling her everything. You'll have a son. His name will be Jesus. He will do all of these things. God will set up his kingdom and he will reign forever without end. That's the kingdom that I'm bringing through this child. So Mary has this encounter at some point in her life, at the, at the beginning of Jesus's life. And yet now we see that she's on the outside of the house and Jesus has drawn this distinction of those people in there, they're my family, they're my disciples. But we have Mary on the outside and I just wonder, Mary, what happened to you? You know, you, you had this encounter with an angel. There were things throughout Jesus' childhood that pointed you and reminded you about who he actually is. Why now are you approaching him as if he's just this teacher and, and he actually needs to be put in his place? I just wonder about that. And you know, sometimes we can find ourselves being a bit like Mary, where I mentioned maybe some of you are disillusioned, maybe something has happened in your life where yes, once you had an encounter with God, but something has happened and now you find yourself more on the outside, in an unteachable place. There's a hardness that has begin, begun to set in. And instead of being on the inside where you once were, being teachable, saying, Jesus, you are the bread of life. You, you are the teacher that I need to cling to and I need to do life with. You find yourself on the outside. Maybe you find yourself a bit like Mary this morning. But can I tell you that there's hope? There's always hope because of Jesus. So let's continue on in the story and kind of flesh this out a little bit. So in Mark chapter 4, just a thing to note. When we're reading our Bibles, just because there are chapter breaks doesn't mean that it's a completely different story. Sometimes the story continues, and this is one of those occasions. You'll be really um, careful to note that. That'll really help. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 11, it says, Again he began to teach beside the sea. So now he's gone out again. He's teaching to the crowds. He says this, He began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a soul went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30, 60 and 100 fold. And he said, let anyone with ears to listen hear. And so what's interesting about this parable is that Jesus says it as it is and there's no judgment, there's no concluding thoughts. Jesus just says it and then he says, look, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. What's Jesus doing here? He's making it obvious that there are three bad soils and there's one good soil. 
There are these three different soils and what the soil, uh, its function was how it receives the seed, how it receives. And he's talking about how people receive the Word of God. He's saying that there are three things that will kill your ability to really see the harvest that that seed was meant to deliver. There are three things and there is the, uh, there's the lack of willingness to hear at all. So there was the seed that went on um, uh, dry ground, on solid ground, and it didn't yield anything. So that's the, the completely removing um, of oneself from the Word of God. And then there's the lack of commitment where you've come in, maybe you sat for a while as a student of Jesus, but you're not really committed to what He's saying. So there's that. And the sad thing is you've begun, but you're not gonna see the harvest that God actually wants you to have. And then there's the third, and it's the concern for other things above God. Again, in this parable, the person has come into Jesus and is saying, Jesus, teach me. But we get busy, we get distracted, we get caught up in the things that we're doing for God maybe, but we're caught up in them and we lose sight of the importance of God's Word, of Jesus' teaching in our life. And sadly, all three soils, there's potential, but it never actually delivers a harvest. There's one good soil, and that is the person who is teachable, who actually hears Jesus' words, sits at the feet of Jesus and, and receives His word, but then they act on it as well. So that's what we're talking about, the teachable heart. There's this contrast here that's going on. And the reason why I tell you this is that Jesus wants us to know. He wants us to be warned about those things that can take us away from His Word. Because when we're away from His Word, the harvest that was promised to us will be destroyed. It will be taken away completely. And so this morning, as a pastor who loves you, I want to ask you, what are those things in your life that take you away from God, from His Word, from His presence, from having your eyes fixed on Him. I hope you're hearing this. Don't close your heart on me. Don't close your ears. But I'm telling you this because I love you. What are those things that keep you on the outside when you know you want to be on the inside? So let's continue. It goes back to when Jesus was alone. So now He's sitting with His disciples and He, and he says to those who are around Him, and the 12 were there as well. He said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. And by the way, the secret of the kingdom is Jesus. So he's saying, you have me, I've been given to you. But for those outside, everything comes in parables in order that when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. That's a bit scary, seeing Jesus and learning nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Why is this? Now, this is a passage of Scripture from Isaiah 6. Why is Jesus quoting Isaiah 6? You see, Isaiah 6 talks about people who worship idols. So instead of worshipping the one true God, they're kind of worshipping anything. And back in those times, it would be literally humans would carve out uh, uh, these idols made of wood or stone or whatever, and they would bring it sacrifices. They would bow down and pray to it. But you know, for us today, idolatry, it's a little bit more insidious. It can kind of be just below the surface. 
And what Jesus has given us a clear picture of is that these are the things, these are the idolatries that we subscribe to sometimes. It's the lack of commitment and what's underneath that. It's the disregard for God's Word because other things are more important. There are idols beneath all of these things, all of these things that take us away from Jesus and His teaching. There are idols that we need to deal with, that we need to confront under those things if we want to see the harvest that God has us. But what's really interesting in this passage, and it just kind of, I love the way that Mark writes because it just, um, it emphasises Jesus's point where these, um, these idols that people would bow down to, they were obviously mute, they couldn't speak, they couldn't hear people's prayers, they couldn't speak back, they couldn't smell, they couldn't touch, they couldn't move on the behalf of those praying for them. And what Jesus is pointing out is that if you, are, if you don't have a teachable heart, if you're not open to my word, then you actually become like those idols. You become deaf to my word. You become mute. You're not able to perceive when I do something in your life because you're just blinded. You don't understand. And that's the severity, family. That's the severity that we're talking about. Idolatry will steal, kill and destroy the ability for God to do something in our life. It, it will destroy the life that He wants to bring in us. But you know what? There is good news. And can I just say, idolatry, some, for some of us who've grown up in the church, we see this as like such a severe thing. And it is, but... Jesus can help us turn away from those things. And it happens. It doesn't just happen for people who are young Christians. It happens for those who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. So, hey, this morning, if you're feeling confronted right now, if you know Holy Spirit is putting His finger on something, it's because He loves you. But can I just say that this has happened to me, continues to happen to me, continues to happen to you know, our elders and our leaders. This is something that we all go through. So this morning, when you're being convicted about this, don't push away. Don't push away. You're not alone in this. So getting back to the story, that's how severe idolatry is. But, but we see later on in this passage of scripture, Jesus says something so beautiful. In verse 24, he says uh, to his disciples, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get. And still more will be given to you. For to those who have more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. This morning, if you have a teachable heart, if you're a teachable person and you decide to go from the outside to the inside and you sit with Jesus, that's enough. That's all He needs because He sees your desire to come to Him, to learn from Him. If you were to just open up your heart to being taught by Him, to hear His words and to act on them, he actually says He will give you more. You will see the harvest in your life. And can I just point out as well that later on in that scripture, Jesus says that He, well, it says that Jesus taught them according to how much they could receive. You know, Jesus isn't expecting you to be super apostle, doctor, theologian tomorrow, two weeks, two years time. He's not expecting that, but He walks with you. He teaches you where you're at. He comes alongside you and He gives you these portions of His truth that you are able to live out. It takes sacrifice. It takes a little bit of hard work, but you are able. So Christian, if you've been feeling like you haven't been able to do what God's calling you to do, Jesus believes in you. Jesus actually believes in you and He's given you the ability to receive His Word to act on it, 
no matter how scary, no matter how much fear they may be, heck, fear never goes away. Just secret, fear never goes away. We're always going to be uh, colliding with it throughout our life. But hey, we do these things scared anyway. We take these steps that God is calling us to take anyway, whether we're scared or whatever. And so what does this look like? What does this coming in to Jesus, not being on the outside, turning away from idols that keep us from the presence of God and keep us from actually being active with Jesus' teaching. What does that look like? So we go from the outside, we turn away from those things and we sit with Jesus. We sit and we learn from Him. We read His words. But you know, there are other tools that we can take on this journey of learning Jesus' word to a point where we've learnt it, we can memorise it and we can actually act on it. There's something else that I want to talk to you about today. And the second drill is journaling. Say to the person next to you, journaling. Journaling, awesome. Awesome. So this is something that, again, if you've been in church, you've probably heard about journaling, especially if you're beginning on your discipleship journey, that journaling is actually this really powerful tool. And, oh, the word journaling didn't come up. Sorry. (laughs) That was meant to say journaling. I don't know what happened. Uh, This is what you get when I do my own PowerPoints, can I just say? Nate always does my PowerPoints, but this is what you get when I do it. Um, (laughs) You get half graphics and words. Um, But journaling, so for some of you, you know, you're thinking journaling, that's a writer's kind of discipline. Eh, not really. I wouldn't consider myself a writer at all. But, and and it doesn't take you to have these writing skills. You can journal in a way that suits you. If you're into pictures and photos and things like that, you can catalogue what God is speaking to you in that way as well. But can I tell you, this discipline of journaling has changed my life. Um, So... When we have our time with God, what I would do is that I would write out in my journal just a scripture that's highlighted to me as I'm reading the word. And then I'd write it down and I'd just hear God, or I'd say, God, what do you want to show me about this? You've already highlighted it to me. Why this particular passage? Why today? Why me? And so I'll write out what I feel God is speaking into my heart. And sometimes I'll check that back with other scripture to just kind of confirm that, yes, that's what God is saying. And then I seal it off in prayer. Because often when God speaks to me through scripture, I need to pray. um, Because I'm either confessing sin There's repentance that I need to um, do and act on. But as well, it's my way of actually remembering, God, you've spoken to me about this. It's going through my mind again as I write it down. And so today I'm actually more able and more positioned to actually live this out. And so that's how journaling has really helped me. But, you know, for some of us, we think, oh, I I don't have half an hour to do that. And that's okay. I hope that you'd be able to work in half an hour eventually, but start somewhere. Start on the train to work, on the bus to uni. Start somewhere. You know, um, I met this pastor uh, from uh, Tokyo, from Japan, and um, he was saying that the the discipleship in their church has been revolutionised. The amount of Bible literacy and people knowing the Word of God has just skyrocketed through their church. But it's not for the sake of knowing. It's for the sake of being transformed in Jesus. And he was saying that all we say to them is five minutes of reading your Bible, write down one thing and then pray. Surely, like that can take five minutes, really. That can take five or ten minutes. And they've just seen 
people, literally, their lives are changed. It might be slowly, but that's okay. Jesus is into transforming our lives. He doesn't want us to just stay at point of salvation. I've said the prayer, but He wants to transform us. And so it can be as little as five minutes that we do this. And you know, and I, and I understand that, hey, you fixed it, genius. Um, <laughs> um, and for some of us, yeah, we think, okay, journaling, you know, I, I need a little bit more of a handle on this. And that's cool because I've got an acronym for you this morning. Who likes acronyms? Yes, easy to remember. All right, so we can go to the next slide. This acronym is SOAP. So for some of you, you've also heard of this. It's the age-old foolproof way of studying your Bible. It's pretty awesome. I still do it. It's great. So SOAP, S is for Scripture. O, observation. A, application. And P, prayer. Basically what I kind of just told you about. So Scripture, you would find your Scripture, but O, you observe what's going on in the passage. God, what is it that I'm meant to take note of here? What's going on? What's Jesus saying? What's Jesus doing? How are people responding? You're observing the text. And then A, God, give me a step. Give me one thing that I can do today to live this out. Jesus is saying, be kind. God, help me to be kind today. Help me to, you know, what's one person I can be kind to today, who I can encourage, who I can compliment, who I can lift up. And then P is for prayer. God, help me. Help me to do this. Give me the power to do this. And so SOAP is one of those um, ways that we can actually go about journaling and catalogue what God is doing in our life, what He's speaking to us about. Um, Because we don't want to just be hearers of the Word, we want to be doers of the Word. And this is a way of getting it into us so that we can actually live it out. If I can have the band come up and help me. So that's the second... um, uh, discipline that I wanted to give you. And, and the Apostle Paul says to his son in the faith, Timothy, he says, guard the truth that has been taught to you. Guard the truth that's been handed down to you. And what Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying is that the Word of God is precious. It's the truth that guides our life, but sometimes we need a guard as well. We need to know what we believe because then when the lies of the enemy come, when, when false truths are being spread around our lives, we'll be able to pick it up and say, you know what? No, I know the truth and that's not the truth. We're able to guard it in our life and we're able to actually guard it so that we can live it out and so that other people can see God's light, His life, His love at work in our life. You know, just as we come to a close today, um, I want to tell you a bit of a bit of my story. That when I was year seven, I gave my life to Jesus. I said the salvation prayer. But you know, it was only till year ten that I actually started to read this properly, read the Word of God properly. And this was one of my very first Bibles and It's a little bit gross and kind of flaky, but it's awesome. Um, But in that three-year gap, my sin caught up with me. You know, I found myself living a life that I never wanted, a life that I was so unhappy with. And I knew, I knew because I'd said the salvation prayer, I'd heard a few things about the kind of life that God was calling me to live. 
And I was fed up that I wasn't living that, that I wasn't seeing that. Because what I thought was that when I said the salvation prayer, I would be in the house and automatically I would be this pupil of Jesus. I'd be this student who knew His Word, who knew how to live it out and apply it. And, and you know, I'd have His life to the full at work in me. But what I realised was that saying that salvation prayer was one decision, but Jesus was calling me to a relationship. He was calling me to an everyday being a student in His class, being a disciple of His, leaning into His words, leaning into His teaching so that I could actually live the life that God had for me and influence the people around me and to tell them that God has a better life for you as well, that God has an abundant life for you. And so over those three years, I, I just got fed up. I had enough. I came to a point where I was making all of these decisions and I'm like, I never wanted to be this person. I was hanging out with people that I was like, no, I started out not wanting to hang out with people like this because I knew how to, it would affect me. You know, I was, I was depriving myself of food. I was doing things that I didn't love. I was fighting with the people that I loved most. I was like, God, I need your help. And that's when I decided, Jesus, I want to be teachable to you. And slowly, slowly, I actually had this Bible and I had a little Red Gideon's Bible as well. Many of you may have that, but, and parents of high school students, you probably don't want them hearing this, but um, every moment that I could in class, um, when I'd finished my work, when I hadn't finished my work, let's be honest, um, I would open up my little Gideons and I'd open up this little Bible here and I'd just read and read and read. I'd read the letters in red, Jesus' words to me. And it changed my life. I'd made the decision, but it was only three years later that I'd begun to see life to live life, to live forgiven, to feel loved, to have the peace of God, to have the joy of God. I remember in those times that I would dance and sing in my room. Oh, Trey, you're a sweetheart. (laughs) I would dance and sing in my room and my parents could probably attest to this. I'd crank up the praise music, the worship music because I was just so overjoyed. I'd found truth, I'd found life. And it was starting to affect me, it was starting to change me. And this morning, God wants the same for you. Maybe you've been struggling, maybe you've been feeling like I'm more on the outside here. Today, we have an opportunity to turn away from those things that are just so worthless and and really aren't even worth our time and our energy and to turn to Jesus to walk with Him, to be a student of His teaching and to let it change our lives. But this morning, I wanna lead you in a prayer that actually opens up that way, that links you in relationship with Jesus. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd love to lead you in this prayer, saying, Jesus, I want this. I want relationship with You. So you can repeat these words after me. Pray, dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. 
Thank you for giving, my, giving me life and loving me. I ask you to come into my heart, to cleanse me of my sin and teach me your ways. I wanna live for you. In your name I pray, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.